You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. Welcome back. Hello, hello. It's the boys us. are back in studio for another Woo-hoo. fun-filled show. That's right. I'm going to be a little British today. Just fun-filled for fun. show, huh? Fun-filled show. Yeah, so it's exciting. I think we're tired. <laughs> I th- Yeah, I agree. We're going to talk agree. a little bit about what the boys have been up to, which yeah. is a lot because we work hard for you. We do. We mm-hmm. work extra hard. And we've done a lot of things, uh, not only this last week, but we have a lot of things coming up. Hey, and we so we have promised you more scary wood. Yes, because we had a really good time. We talked about it last week. Uh We have two more interviews to share with you about what goes on behind the scenes to keep you scared. Remember, this is your last weekend. It it is, yeah. It's Halloween weekend, really. Yeah, and they don't do it on on Halloween because they want people to go trick or treat and get candy. Exactly, you can't compete with that. Yeah. So last time you get to go out there and have fun. So I've been talking to a lot of people mm-hmm. throughout the week that have gone and experienced it. A lot of people who have really enjoyed the videos we've released. They're of, fun. They're fun. They're fun. It's you know it's reliving my nightmare. You know, it's <laughs> yes. just constant, constant for you. So uh, people are really enjoying that. Remember, go experience the things you can oh, do yeah. in your own backyard. Oh, yeah. Scary. What is an experience you will never, ever forget. Exactly. It'll yeah. be fun. It'll be scary. There's definitely scary <laughs> parts. Don't think there that the are. whole thing's super PG. Uh-huh. It is not. Yeah, this is the time it I think there was. I don't think it's in the interviews where <laughs> we're putting up, but there was a moment where t- we're talking to someone and they say, this is the time of year that we don't have to be as family friendly as we typically are. Right. So, you know, you bring blood true. out and right. you know, people yeah. chasing you. Not, yeah. you know, not scary for the Scary zombies. Yeah. It's not recommended. Actually, I think, what, 13 or 14? 14. Yeah. So mm-hmm. 14 and up is where you can go under 14. Not necessarily recommended. It's not recommended for you. Although I saw some kids out I there. I did too. The parents. Oof. Yeah. Or they were little through. demon children that I yeah. didn't know that maybe they were part <laughs> of it. I'm not sure. <laughs> or maybe but. the parents were so sick of their of their attitude that they were like, let's go. We're going to scare you <laughs> gonna and you're going to get this. to clown town <laughs> just for yeah. fun. <laughs> you're scared of clowns? Okay. Right. Okay. Okay, we're Sally. On. Let's take you. <laughs> we're going like to hear <laughs> actually uh, later in the, uh, in the second hour, we're yeah. going to hear from the makeup uh, the head of the makeup department themselves, and he's going to talk about his favorite little monster, which is yes. his little girl who he took to meet the the things that he has created, and it's a very fun little story. And I, he was very I love inspiring, it. Actually. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited for that. So we'll we're going to be playing those two interviews, uh, one in the first hour, and then we're going to play the second one in the second hour. So yes. you have to stay tuned. Stay tuned for to listen to it, and then keep checking our Facebook page mm-hmm. or Twitter for when we release. More videos of us just screaming and running. Basically. That's right. Right? We, because there will be more. Always. There are, trust us. There always. is always more. Yeah. So we love it. Go check out Scary Wood. It's a lot of fun. That's right. So ta- and talking about scary things, and this is not necessarily scary, but it's campy. It's fun. Yeah, everybody does it fun. around Halloween. Rocky right. Horror. It's, right. it's that time of year, really. Yeah. Um, you and I watched the Fox uh, version the remake the that Fox was Disney going on. version is what it felt like it was really PG it wasn't like this is what so we watched it together yes we did one of the first things and if you were on Twitter you saw one of our first complaints was well the shorts Rocky shorts Rocky shorts what were the heck basketball was that? shorts yeah what 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 no 
No, they're long. The tight no, shorts. no, no, no. Short shorts, 1970s yeah. runner shorts. That's what he's supposed to wear. Here's a, right. Here's the thing. In the 70s, they did it with little tiny shorts. Tiny it's 2016. Short Why can't we have like a thong on him right. or a jock strap or something? We need less, <laughs> not more. Right. And less. it was long. But the, so for what the for what it was. Yeah. I thought that the actors and everybody and the vo- they did good. Laverne Cox was basically doing her best impression of Tim Curry, R- right? But I wish she there at was least more nailed her, her good you're, you're right. impression. So you're that was right. great. They didn't yeah. do anything new with it. It wasn't edgy, which is what we love about mm-hmm. the the original film. It wasn't pushing the envelope by any means. But they delivered a product, and and for what they wanted to deliver, they all. They all did really well at that. The actors were great. Right. The singing was great. Laverne did great with her impression of Tim Curry. All of that was great and spot on. But it really, if you wanted more or you were hoping for that same kind of delicious vibe you get when you go to the Rocky Horror movie, it what that wasn't there. Yeah, it wasn't exactly that same exact thing. And no. here's what I think about it. I want to download the soundtrack to it. I want right. the re-recording because you're right. The Broadway voices are amazing. Yeah. They do the songs a lot justice. of them are Broadway actors. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. But, y- you know, the whole the whole thing, I just, I probably won't see it again. No, I'll be it honest. was like, it was not, you know, I mean, they did what they the did best. and there we saw it. Yeah. It was good. I think Laverne Cox probably deserves the most kudos out of it sh- because she had the most going in the most detractors who were saying she shouldn't do it or she wouldn't be good. And in the end, I think she delivered with what she was given. She delivered. She deserves props for that. Um, I am a little bit obsessed with um, Riff Raff. Riff Raff. Yeah. Uh, That actor, I need to meet him and marry him because I, you know, I propose to everybody he's on my list now to propose to. He is. He is. Because he was yummy and delicious and very good at what he did. Right. He did do a very good job. He performed and delivered it. I think the makeup was one part that was on point. I think the makeup and the way that they did their costumes was different and unique and cool. And the choreography for um, Time Warp was, was really was really cool, I think. Yeah, I think so. the choreography was on point or on, on fleek, fleek or whatever the new thing is. It was is snatched, Jonathan. Okay, it was snatched. Go. It's one of those. Um, it was. We noticed that right hot out the gate. Oh, yeah. Okay, one last thing about the shorts. <laughs> yes. Because I'm mad at go the ahead. director. We're going to call him. We're going to get some answers. Because if you are going to put Brad in the briefs like yes. he should be, Tiny then you briefs. can't tell me that you were afraid to put, to put Rocky in short shorts. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I just... There was a disconnect for me. Just saying, okay, I'm I'm done with the not short shorts. So, but go. that was really, I mean, that right. was my biggest disappointment. Fox, if you're sure. listening, there you go. Redo it again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Re-remake it. Do it right. Make it sexier. A lot make more edgy. Se- Just saying. Make it a porn. We're good. <laughs> right. They probably have. <laughs> That's like they probably have five <laughs> porns out there with the Rocky. <laughs> I love it. Something else. Yes. That you and I were asked to do back in the summer. Oh, yeah. It was, it was the big of June when we didn't we, realize how much work it would when be. When we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. You and I were invited um, to teach by our good friend Bob mm-hmm. uh, to teach at HREI, Human Rights uh, Education Institute. Institute. In, the in middle of Lane. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is part of, part of uh, North Idaho College. College and is part of it. Lewis ex- and Clark uh, yeah. College as well. University. An extension from them. Yeah. Right. So they have, they do a, Fall um, nonprofit uh, education series, I guess you could it's call like it. It's like a two-week. There are courses Yeah, there are every courses. Day. They it's talk insane. about, you know, uh, benefiting nonprofits, expanding yeah. this, talking about yeah. equality. It's all, it's all about kind of budget. Anything exactly. you could imagine. Right. And yeah. so we were invited, and Bob wanted us to talk about, you know, making change 
Um, with grassroots, especially social change. You and I yeah. have been doing that since day one. You right. and I have now been on the air for three three years. And, right. you know, that's... And it's part of it's our part mission. part of what we do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Yeah, we didn't know what we were walking into. It's yes. a rainy, horrible, icky night. It was. <laughs> and we're all... So two of the interns came. Our team, of course, Kurt, mm-hmm. uh, you and I went. And it's gross i mean it's so gross it's wet and cold yeah we show up to this beautiful building and we walk in we don't know how many students are going to be there Mm -hmm. we don't know anything all we know is we built a class that we we haven't taught before this is the first time we've taught this specific class Mm -hmm. and we're expected to be there for two to two and a half hours so what was interesting is we're always watching that curter in there because he is our he is our most Strict critic. He is, which yeah. is a good thing. Right, which is good. And he I already had, had shown some doubt. Yes, we he, were gonna, a lot of it, actually. I so would we say. go in, and our biggest thing was to talk about, tell people that if they could connect to their story, mm-hmm. that is a way they're going to connect to the people that right. want to be part of that organization. And that's how they inspire the change they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So And we give them practice. We're at the whiteboard. I get to be Vanna. You're teaching them how to build a map. And so, but what's interesting is Kurt goes, okay, when you, when you guys started with your story, I was like, oh. Oh God! Yeah. Where are they going to go? What's, <laughs> which everybody in the audience was the same. That way. was the point, yeah. And then at the end, it's, they're it's like, the shocking. "Oh, so it's all about your story. It's all about we talked about being vulnerable. It's we all did. about being vulnerable, and that's how you connect to the heart of people, right? That's right, exactly. Yeah, so we really exactly it was crazy. And just so, just so you know, if you missed the class, don't worry. Uh, I'm sure it'll happen again. And also, we will have a filmed. Version yeah, of they're going to do an online course. It'll be online. so they so have you can see it. Yeah, they mic'd us and put. Three cameras on our face, and we're going to see how that comes out. Yeah. It's I mean, it is our face. So that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about good. it. But yeah, you can watch those, and I know mm-hmm. it's going to be available through the college mm-hmm. um, as well yeah. uh, for that curriculum. So but, I'm excited yeah, about that. Exactly. Yeah, but you're right. The big, I think the biggest response was about you know vulnerability and kind of telling the story. And mm-hmm. it was very, very raw, the whole yeah, class. Yeah, it was very raw. But at the end, what was fascinating is the way people connected to the different points. Right. You know, of that story. Um, We, to talk about that, I want to precursor, there's a, we do uncomfortable conversation shows. Uh, We have a series of them. We've done racism. You know, we've done uh, a number of those. And we do them every few Mm. months. We used to say it was every quarter would do a a new uncomfortable conversation. Last quarter was the racism show. That uh, was difficult conversation to have, but has the most impact. Um, one of the things we talked about was vulnerability in that class. One of the things that uh, that came out that realized that that I, and I, that I've seen all week that is the hardest thing for us to be with each other is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the hardest conversations we can have is right. grief. What we do with grief is shut it down. What we do with grief is lock ourselves up. It's uncomfortable for people who aren't going through it because we just want it to be over. It's even more uncomfortable for the people going through it because they really want it to be over. But it's a conversation that we can learn a lot about if we're willing to have it. Mm -hmm. Um, So people always say, hey, listen, I'm the sentimental freak, right? That is my superpower, and I'm okay with it. And I, on we know that uh, one of our biggest listeners, we've mentioned his name a million times on this show in the past. Uh, Timothy Allen Heidecker was a very good friend of mine, and we met him through the show. He showed up at some events we did, and through that I have built, I was able to build an uh, an amazing relationship. And Tim, on Sunday night, had passed away. Unexpectedly, he was 28 years old. Um, and we don't know what happened, but the fact is he's gone. 
And so in honor of this uncomfortable conversation that we're going to be having in December, we're going to have an author on who wrote a a book on grief, and we're going to have a therapist in the studio as well. And I want us to talk about us as a society and how we choose to deal with grief because, you know, it's it's a horrible thing to say. Because it's rough. And because... Tim was the amazing man he was. As a precursor to that, uh, I do have a tribute because that's how I deal. Um, and so I'm going to read it now. We're going to play a song that uh, I just heard before he was gone. I just heard it last weekend um, that I have listened to 5,000 times since because it's everything that that man gave to me. And so, but before, I'm going to read you because people deserve to know his name. Uh, a little thing I wrote for my friend Tim. So, Timothy Allen Heidecker, I know you are listening, and I will try to keep it together for you. I had no idea on that unassuming February evening that the man with the beautiful smile and sparkling blue eyes would change me so, so completely. I got to put a no-hate sticker on your face and watch you smile as you walked away to have your picture taken. You would then send me notes on Facebook. And talk about how much you loved what I was doing, how you believed so much in me, and this little talk show that I was sure only mattered to me. You convinced me to have coffee with you, even after I protested and told you I don't normally have time, when in reality, I just don't like to let people in. But somehow, you convinced me, as you would always do. A quick coffee turned into hours of conversation and then texting until the wee hours of the morning. That turned into more coffee and more texting and crazy adventures, driving endlessly to every isolated point there was, just to see the lights, the city lights, from the most beautiful angles you could think of. You would listen to the show every week and send me supportive texts, and after every program tell me, great show as always. You would lecture me to take better care of myself, to go ahead and rule the world, but remember to be kind to myself and relax. We would spend hours talking about renting a cabin for a week and just disappearing off the grid together, if only for a moment. You never ceased to tell me that you loved me and how proud you were of me. It's funny, you made me break my own rule. You burst into my heart before I could block you. You told me what my worth was until I could feel it myself. And you're still doing it even now. You taught me that to block out the world means I will miss out on the beauty and love that exists. That I would have missed out on you. And I will never regret you. For all the things this show makes me proud of, for all of the gifts it brings, the one that will always matter the most was that I got you, if only for a second. So grief may be uncomfortable. It may be awkward and raw. But it's the price we pay for great love. For all of my precious moments with you, Tim, I would pay that price again and again. I love you. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Outspoken. So, <laughs> so there you go. We're back. We're we back. Are. We are. You good? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, good. You got to you gotta move uh, forward. Yes, we do. Um, we talk a lot about on our show about creating space that you want and, you know, not waiting for someone to just hand you your dreams. And Dia DeCaio has done just that. She's a cosplay. She has a cosplay podcast. She designs clothing, writes books, and even has her own music that she produces. So we decided to bring her on and talk to her a little bit about that journey. Dia, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Great. It's great. Thank you for taking time on a Sunday to be with the Outspoken Boys. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I'm a little nervous to be on the show. <laughs> Don't, you know what? We're really Duffy. easy to talk to. We'll, we'll make this as painless as possible. The great thing is, all of us in media, what is our, one of our favorite things is to talk about what we love. And so, Dia, let's start with a little background. What did you start with first? Did you start with your podcast first, your clothing, your music, your books? What did you start with? YouTube, actually. Oh, awesome. <laughs> How was that? Um, I actually joined um, a network, and it's called Full Screen Media. Okay. And um, then uh, what did you do on the YouTube channel that kind of kick-started your whole you know, career? It was actually an unboxing video, and okay. it was for Black Box subscription. It's like a goth box. Um, it's like um, it, where it has goth uh, goodies. Okay. Ooh, and wow. I unboxed them, and um, it got really popular. Um, I have over 300 views on the video. Nice. Nice. So you awesome. kind of got bitten by the bug. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. So it takes a lot of work, and we, we know that it takes a lot of work to maintain these kinds of passion projects. What keeps you creating? What drives you to tirelessly go after it all? Um, well, I just, I really enjoy entertainment and, um, it makes me really happy just to be, um, around other people. And, um, when I'm not around people, um, I just like get like really bored (laughs) (laughs) and like, I, I I just enjoy being around other people. People make me happy and I also enjoy making things and being creative. And like doing things with my hands, and um, I'm just a really creative person. You Girl, know? I feel you. Yeah, we we feel you for That's sure. Us. Yeah. Has there been any part of your journey so far? Because I know it, it only started a couple years ago for you. Has there been any part of the journey that surprised you? Um, let's see. Well, there's been a lot of surprises, like. Being accepted into full screen, which is like one of the biggest, like one of maybe one of the biggest YouTube networks nice. out there. Yeah. Besides Maker Studios. Mm. And and then um, I met a lot of actors, like huge actors at co- conventions. Mm-hmm. And one time Ron Perlman gave me a kiss on the cheek. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. did you get a photo? That's a photo op right there. Yeah, I got a photo, but not with him kissing me on the cheek. I don't think they would want him, you know, a photo of that. I love that. That's awesome. Dia, what do you hope to accomplish with, with the work that you're doing right now? Uh, I just, I hope to accomplish, like, I I want to, to tell you the truth, I want to accomplish stardom. Nice. That's, Good goal. And also, I want to accomplish, like, becoming successful. Okay. And what- I want to be... What does success mean to you? What is that definition you're looking for? I want to be accomplished. And um, 
Could you repeat the question? The last sure. Time? So you said you want to be successful, which we totally understand. But success means something different to everyone. So for you, for Dia, what do you what it, what will make you feel that you've reached success? Um, I just I just want to be um, like I I think that if my music could reach like I I want to reach fans for mm-hmm. my music. Mm-hmm. And I also want to reach fans with my cosplay, mm-hmm. and I just want to reach people, you know? Uh, I want to actually have fans on my page. Sure, right. And sure. You know? want to connect. Yeah. You're not alone, girl. I get girl. that. Yeah, we not get alone, you. Girl. We understand. All right. Before we let you go, Dia, where can listeners go to hear your podcast and see your work? Um, I actually, um, if you go to iTunes, okay. you put in GM channel and that's one word mm-hmm. show gm that's channel my... show okay it's kind of confusing because it's like um it's just one word and um but if you figure it out it's like it's like an abbreviation of gm gloomy moon child but right it's gmc but the c is the c in the the gloomy in the channel right is, takes over is, for that it's silent, you know? Exactly. And here, you know, we love to celebrate on our show the people that take their dreams and create the space in the world, and they don't wait for someone to hand it to them. And so we're celebrating you this morning because that's exactly what you're doing. And so thank, the out- thank you so much for letting me be on the show. I oh, was really appreciated. Of course. Well, yeah. the Outspoken Boys are thrilled that there's people like you and hope that your story will inspire others. So, Dia, thank you so much for spending time and telling a brief part of your story. And we'll send people your way. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Well, now you go have be a great a star. Sunday. Go, yeah, go Please be a star. Please me again on your show. Oh, Monday. yes. Oh, our pleasure. We will. And- yeah. Okay, right. thank you. Oh, bye. Bye. And that was Dia DeCaio. I love that name, Dia DeCaio. That's I know, Gloomy Moonchild. So well. Yeah, GMC, and she, ch- GM Channel. GM Channel on iTunes. On iTunes to check out some of her work. She's just building her dreams podcast. right now. Yeah. A young lady who, who decided to create the space she wanted. And, and that's uh, where we, we all celebrate start. celebrate that right now. But now... Talk about a, a, a different kind of space created for you is a little scary space. And we are going to listen to uh, the first of our two interviews today of Scary Wood. So uh, we're going to let you let you know Nicole, who is the one that pumps you up when you need to go scare thousands She's of people. Awesome. So She's here awesome. you go. Spoken voice to Scary Wood Haunted Nights. Scarywood Haunted Nights. Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays in October. Go. Be scared. We dare you. It's Sergey and Jonathan back at Scarywood. More still people. Here, actually. Still here. More people to talk to. I know. And I want to talk to probably the most motivational person I have she met just today. Gave free fuel. She did. And we're going to talk about what that means. So, Nicole, you are the backstage manager. What the heck does that mean? Backstage manager is kind of like herding cats. That's what I like to think of oh, it as. That's fine. Um, I keep all 120, uh, 120 haunters kind of in line. Make sure that our attraction managers have the people that they need, that people are warm, that they're happy, that they're healthy and that they're costumed appropriately and um, got a full crew that kind of makes sure that that happens. 
happen, and I'm just a coordinator of that. So in order to put this on, what time do they have to get here? Starting time for makeup. Our makeup artists get in here about uh, 3 o'clock. Wardrobe gets in here around 12 o'clock. And then our haunters start coming in right around 4 o'clock for makeup. So we mentioned this free fuel earlier. So you have 120 people you have to keep motivated. You have to keep excited to be pumped up to do what they have to do out there to scare your guests. How hard is that? You have 120 people to manage. We have five, and we can't do that. It's actually a lot of fun to keep people motivated because you you pick up what their best traits are, and you say, okay, how do we use that to make this show just awesome? How do we bring that positive energy out of you? And a lot of it's attaboys. You know, you're doing a great job. Keep that up. And I have some awesome attraction managers that we work with that kind of per section get to really know the individuals that work at Free Dementia Haunted House or Blood Bayou Haunted House. And so they're working with them specifically and getting to know people I think is really important in making that family feeling happen all the way through the entire, you know, haunted house right. experience. Now, Nicole, you have a unique job that you seem to love a lot. What is your favorite part about being backstage manager? My favorite part is probably, I don't do scary, and so this is my way to be involved in scary. Uh, It's a lot of fun getting to see the people that are behind it, their students, their teachers, their insurance salespeople, and they come out here and they love to scare the crap out of people, and that's just really, really exciting to get to help them do that. How long have you been doing this job? I believe I've been scared. Would uh, for about five years now. So I have to say you're really good at yours because you met me. You said you identify things and people qualities so that you can use that to pump them up. You met me for five seconds and then basically you told me I was wonderful and uh, and that's all I ever needed. He stumped <laughs> up and I tried <laughs> to do that for five hours and he couldn't. I can't do it. I can't do it. What so. uh, would you want our listeners to know? What do you want them to know that they're going to get when they come here f- with your actors, with your crew? Uh, you're going to get uh, a top-notch experience when you come to Scarywood, our haunters are going to lay it out on the line for you. If you are afraid of clowns, we're going to pick up on that and mm-hmm. we're going to go for it. If you are afraid of blood, we're going to menace you with blood. And if we can't scare you, we will entertain you. And so I can just promise you a very entertaining experience. And that's really all we're here for. Okay, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about Scarywood. And that was our interview with Nicole. She was Okay, she was so much fun. She really knows how to pump up her people she pumped right. me up just yeah. right away she instantly was there. the first yeah. thing you do is you ask her what is free fuel and she gives yeah. it to you and she tells you this she, is free fuel yeah, yeah she's amazing anyways it. we really enjoyed our experience behind yes. the scenes of scary wood finding out what it takes to put together that whole exp- i mean it's huge just the whole park and so that was fun we do have uh we're going to be talking to the head of makeup mm-hmm. uh in the second hour we he are. was a lot of fun like i yeah. said he's going to talk about a different kind of monster yes uh, he is a little tiny two foot tall monster yeah, it just I just, don't know how tall was... she is. I'm just gonna go with two feet. <laughs> wow, thank you. Right, right. Who I knows? mean, wow. That's not that's not an eight year old <laughs> at all. Oh, she's eight. I don't know. Oh, see, you don't. Know. <laughs> Anyways, Let's listen to the interview. Around. Listen to the interview. Make your own judgment. You uh, can tell us how tall she is. Yeah. After the interview. after the interview, <laughs> that'll be perfect. <laughs> that's great. I know, and you know, lots of talking behind the scenes we do. Yes, between well, and you and I went through every attraction, every Everything. little scary thing, every scare zone. It was terrifying. It was terrifying, um, but it was cool to kind of see. Um, you know, keeping in mind these two interviews, the N- Nicole, the very extravagant person, not extravagant, very but very bubbly person. Yeah, yeah the one that pumps you up, yeah. and then 
thinking about you know the makeup artist behind the scene mm-hmm. and seeing how it all comes together and seeing the yeah. scare zones and the people having to pump up. I and, think we forget you know, when we go and enjoy great things like this that oh, there's a lot of there's work a lot that of work. must go into making that happen. And you know so what? It's fascinating to see it. It's funny because we saw Nicole. In the park at one point, you yeah, we were walking we around. Were she was there. just walking, and somebody scared her. And she's like, "Great effort, good job." Now go scare the actual yeah, people. Because she let us know she doesn't like to be scared. No, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> she was like, "Great." She is there for motivation. <laughs> yeah. She gonna give you yeah. food, make sure you're healthy and happy. Exactly. And give then snacks, don't scare me. Don't scare me. Right. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah. I have so much respect for you. I know, and I have to say, there were you know, the clowns just really seemed to enjoy their job. They had such a hoot scaring okay. people. They hired them well because they, hired them they well, enjoyed yeah. it too much. Too, I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. There's a really tall, scary clown who was so good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> he scared so many people, including many members of our team. Right, right. Just by being creepy and oh like falling gosh. in I line. Know. You know. don't even know he's next to you, and then he yells in your ear, and it's just over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. yeah. You know who I would want to be at Scary One? Is the bunny. <gasps> the bunny with the wrench. And he right? looks so creepy, but he just drags it. They take this perfectly innocent creature and they make him terrifying yeah. Yeah. just by adding. By making him, supersizing him. Yeah, super you. And, and he kind of has him a red eyes weapon. that are kind yeah. of, I feel like they were bleeding maybe because <laughs> hey. they were creepy. See, make sure, make sure imagination creepy. run mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, right. So, it's pretty scary. I'm just saying. It's It was a lot of fun. I'm, I am I have to say. I, I would go again. I, um, I have. And you and I actually, one of the first things you and I did when we first met, which was three years ago, yeah. Um, because of the sitcom. Yeah, so we're working on a show. We're, we're working on a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were writing a sitcom. I auditioned, and mm-hmm. foolishly, you decided to bring me on what board. What was I thinking? I, I don't know, but thank <laughs> you. Um, and so we had a team bonding at Scarywood that yeah. year. So that was well, one of the first times in my so just cool. a few years of being in the game. Uh, what I learned a long time ago when I first started yeah. directing shows and directing plays was that if you need your your cast to look like they even care about each other on stage, you need to make them at least have some sort of bond out, right. off stage. Right. So I thought, I took the whole cast, and I'm like, we're going to bond because we're going to create memories that we will always remember, mm-hmm. and what better way to do it than to scare the pants off everybody? So yeah, we did it, and it does, it's a bonding experience. It and is. then you it have those inside jokes, that's what creates a relationship. Right. And yeah, it worked really well, and I'm really happy that we were able to to go out with the team and yeah. do it here, and the people at Scarywood get to learn something on top of it all. Uh, a lot of fun. Remember, there are going to be more videos coming there out. There will. You just, you've seen the first roller coaster. You've seen Blood Bayou. Uh, the second roller coaster that we went on, that was the hard one for me. The, the uh, tremors, We're yeah. going to be releasing that video here in the coming weeks. So keep your eye out for it. People laughed a lot at the first one. It was fun. And you have I permission to great. laugh at my fear. <laughs> I do. Give, I give you full permission. I love to it. enjoy that thoroughly. Now, I, I also want to make sure that we release the photo that happened um, on Tremors <gasps> on after the tremors. video. Uh, we did yes. get a photo. We did take. We, uh, we, yeah. we bought it because it we was just too perfect. We bought that photo perfect. because it's hilarious. It's That's the roller coaster where there is the moment yeah. that they snap a picture of yes. you. And if you've gone on it, apparently, a few times, Sergey, yeah. you know where that moment <laughs> is. And so, uh, listen, get ready for it because when we release it, it's hysterical because it's you good. yell at me right, right before the flash, Jonathan, the camera is right here. And I, I'm terrified. So I just start screaming and moving my head because I don't know where the camera is. I can't focus. And uh, then Sergey poses like a supermodel. Well, 
right at the camera. But it was hilarious. Here's the thing. It's not just roller coasters. Anytime there's a camera, you get scared and flare your arms anyways. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's right, really normal. Exactly. Anytime really. there's paparazzi. That's just, that's just <laughs> what happens. I love it. Outspoken receives support from Instant Sign Factory, celebrating 25 years serving the inland northwest indoor and outdoor sign needs. Information at one 778 7446 and online at com. Outspoken receives support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Spokane, serving the community with a non-dogmatic religious environment, welcoming all people, regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender identity, or physical ability. Information online at uuspokane.org or 509-325-6383. Outspoken receives support from Nine Bar and Bistro, featuring a full bar food menu and trivia on Thursday nights, located at 232 West Sprague Avenue. More information is available at 509-747-1621. Outspoken is funded in part by the Pride Foundation. For more information, visit pridefoundation.org. Thank you to everybody who supports Outspoken. And now it is that time of the show where we get to talk to uh, Russell Horsey from Jacked. There seems to be a myriad of gay dating apps Jonathan would know available <laughs> at our fingertips from Tinder to Grinder to Growler to Scruff. I mean, there's everything. But then there's an app called Jacked and it's trying to change the conversation. So to talk with us more about the campaign, hashtag change the game, we're welcoming marketing and social media specialist for Jacked, Russell Horsey. Are you there? I am. Hi, Hi Russell. How are you? Hey, thanks for coming on the show and talking about this campaign you guys have been having go on for the last few weeks. Can we talk about the conversation right now, kind of how Hashtag Change the Game started? I know it was on September 14th, I think, that you launched it. Can you tell our listeners what this campaign is about and why? Correct. Um, so, yeah, this campaign um been a long time in the making, but um, we launched our eight-week social campaign on the 14th, like you said. Um, it's really a campaign to get the conversation started about some of the issues that are um, really affecting our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have sexual racism, you have confidence, um, just being a nicer person, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and it really just came out of watching our users on social and seeing how they to one another and like what's important to them and we figured it's a good way for us to really give voice to people who maybe not don't have the biggest following sure, sure. um and for some conversation so what made you realize that this conversation was so needed in the gay community and especially in the app gay community? It, it's, exactly and that's a whole different community exactly um there's a lot of I would say misconceptions about what people are doing on the apps mm-hmm. and what people are looking for and how we should be treating one another. Sure. So the campaign, we saw that a lot of people, you would say like, that's no femmes or no blacks, no Asians. So we figured this is our way of really being a leader in um, saying, hey, that's not really right. So let's put ourselves out there, let's talk about it, figure out how we can all um, make some change, ourselves included. Um, this campaign's actually helping us with some upcoming app updates and some redesigns. So, um, 
Well, and I know it's, it's an eight-week campaign. You started with kindness, I know. What have you learned so far in all of the, the conversations you've start, tried to start? Um, it's not easy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll say that. It's definitely not easy. Um, I would say the main thing we did learn is that that is what people really look for, and mm. it's almost like they're afraid to actively say that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they look either weak or they're trying too hard or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of the things. Um, so, yeah. So how has that campaign and all of these topics been received so far? Generally, they've been well-received. Um, last week, I believe we did, we touched upon sexual racism and um, if it's preference or if it's fetish, uh, fetishizing someone. Um, so, I mean, that one... It's a touchy topic, but it needs mm-hmm. to, to happen. So, so what is it at the end of this campaign? So you've done this eight weeks. You've asked eight not always comfortable questions of people to start this conversation in the gay community and specifically for for gay people who use these these apps to meet each other. What do you do at the end with all of the things that you have learned and all of the conversation that has happened? What does Jack hope to do with all of that? In the end, this will help us better determine what we support, what app changes we're planning on doing, um, how we can help our users have a more pleasant experience. Um, Okay. So my biggest question with, you know, uh, changing up what Jack Jack is doing is how are you going to be different than, say, Grindr or any of the other apps out there? What's going to set you aside by doing this? And how do you make sure that, you know, experience on the app is so much more different and better? For us, um, we take pride in all the different types of people that we have on our app. Uh, We're a very diverse app, um, both in ethnicity, um, age, just what people are into, and... For us, Changing Game will really help us add fields and add um, or host new events and things like that that really can bring our community together and kind of blend the app experience and real-life experience. Well, I do agree that I think that it's a much-needed conversation um, in our community uh, and a way to battle some of these. We, we become very brave in being cruel when we're hiding behind a screen. So uh, much luck, definitely, to Jack as you guys continue. There's a couple of weeks left, I know. So how can our listeners get involved in the conversation that Jack has begun? Is there a place they can go other than, obviously, downloading the app? Absolutely. Um, they can go to jackedapp.com slash change the game, mm-hmm. or they can follow us on our social media site. Perfect. And Russell, thank you so much for letting our listeners know kind of a different way to approach things in the app world that isn't happening a lot in other other apps. So uh, thanks for, for talking to us about hashtag change the game. Absolutely. We just want everyone to remember that even though it's a screen, there's a person behind that screen. So love that. That's, That's so good very video. true. Perfect okay, message. thank you, sir. You have a great rest of your Sunday. You as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was Russell Horsey. He is the marketing and social media specialist for Jacked. It's an app 
for meeting people. It's in the gay community. I will say, I was talking to Sergey before we started the show, mm. and I so I checked out the app because, as Sergey so lovely pointed out, I'm on all of them. So <laughs> so I went ahead and got on there, and I will say one of the first things that happened was so it's just my face, and then you know what you put on those. Um, it's like a personal ad from my old days, but you put it's very quicker. It's right. much quicker, right. and I get a message almost right away from a person who thought that he needed to spend time to tell me that he thought I was like 20 years older than my age said, which, you know, I put my real age, and that I was probably like 300 and something pounds. I'm like, in my past I was, but you were wrong. So maybe you're psychic and you're looking back. I don't know. And I just said, uh, sorry about it, and I blocked him. (laughs) So, I mean, people who have, it is a conversation that needs to be had. It is. I agree. I think that... A lot of people, like like you said, when they're online and when there is just a screen blocking you from the other person, it's so much easier to, to oh, be a jerk. Oh, my goodness. To well, say we, whatever you want to put someone down, and that's what's happening. We talk about internet trolls all the all time. The time yeah. where it's so much easier. I call them snipers. They're social snipers. It's so much easier yep. to tear somebody apart than to help to build up. It, right. It's just knee-jerk reaction. Well, and my question, I mean... I, I'm glad that Jacked is doing, you know, He's having a campaign that's going somewhere. Different. Right. They're mm-hmm. asking their questions. But why? I, what I really wanted to know is, you know, how is that going to translate to your users? I mean, and you can have you events go- as Jacked. Yeah. You can have social media campaigns. You can have any of that. But and, and you're right. Russell, I don't think, gave a clear answer to how that's going to get down to the users. Right. How are the users, by joining, automatically or be encouraged to be nicer? So there is great data in the last eight weeks as they ask questions from kindness right. to racism to all of it. What amazing things. And cold hard facts behind the scenes mm-hmm. is you got a lot of good data there. Right. And you're right. How do you then take that and create an atmosphere on your app that is different than the others so that you encourage uh a different experience, that you encourage an actual human connection. And I do like that he said they're focusing on, remember, behind that screen is a human being. So I feel like all the pieces are there. I'm not sure yet where they're going to fit them and what they're going to do. And I'm hoping that they will will show that because the fact is apps aren't going away. No. yeah, Cell phones are here for a while It's a way for us to communicate. Before they implant a chip in our brain. I don't know. But they're there. That's what's going to happen. So how do we make that world a better place. Right. How do we yeah. encourage the positive versus the negative, which we see a lot of? And lot I think, of. you know, we're going to take a quick music we break are. here, but what an amazing kind of prelude to our main guest of the next hour, Andrew Biviano, um, who is going to, who has a lot. We, we were at his campaign uh, running for Spokane County Commissioner. We were at one of his campaign speeches, and I know that he believes a lot in change and and has a lot of ideas on what should change. So mm-hmm. I think what a perfect intro to talking to Andrew Biviano. I, we talk a lot on our show about the importance of voting uh, from the, the big elections all the way down to your own backyard. It is the biggest way to let your voice be heard. Uh, and we want to welcome the Democratic candidate for Spokane County Commissioner. There's a with a mental, with a background in mental health to the legal field, he considers himself to be a determined optimist, which is fascinating to me. We're going to talk about that. If we can survive the legal world without being jaded, maybe he's just ready for political office. We're very proud to welcome Andrew Viviano to the program. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Let's just start right away to let our listeners know what exactly is 
a county commissioner? What does it entail, all of that good stuff? County commissioners basically run the county level of government, um, which we don't hear a lot about, but it basically manages the tax dollars, hundreds of millions of tax dollars every single year. Uh, The budget for how we're going to spend that, whether it's on mental health or criminal justice or parks or roads. And so it really reflects our values. I mean, that's all budgets Mm -hmm. are, our value statements. There's only three county commissioners, Mm -hmm. and they are both the executive and legislative branch combined. So whereas a city, you have both a city council and a mayor to counterbalance each other. Mm -hmm. In the county, you have three people, and two of them uh, agree, and that gets done. So right. it's, it's a really important job. They, sure. we, how, how, how is a jail going to be handled? How, is, how are we going to pay our employees? Or how are we going to uh, look at homelessness or, or mental health? It's all well, accounting and issue. if nothing highlights it more that it matters right. bec- by right. what's happening in our backyard that is going to affect us directly right away, this is, the, this is the position that is. Absolutely. We talk a lot about the presidential race, and it's important, of course, but actually the county commissioners have more effect on your life than the president does. Sure, because it's on such a local level. So, Andrew, why is it that you're running against Shelley O'Quinn for the seat? What is it that made you say, well, no, I can do a better job than her? You know, it wasn't anything personal. I think that what I I realized is I have experience Mm -hmm. and perspective uh, and a knowledge base that no one else has. And it's not just Ms. O'Quinn. It's just that no one in the county commission that I know of has worked with people in the mental health community, has, sure. has been a yeah. prosecutor and a civil rights lawyer and done some defense and has also been um, involved in social justice causes. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair to criticize someone for not knowing what they don't know if they've never had a chance to learn it. I think experience is uh, irreplaceable. So I was looking at my 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 future and I really like what I'm doing right now. And I, I wasn't excited to do something else just for doing something else differently. I, I liked what I'm doing, but I realized... If I really care about the causes that I'm working on, here's an opportunity that could make a really big difference, and it's kind of my obligation to step up and try. Right. Well, and you're stepping up in, you know, a county that for the most part is mostly red. We have a tiny little blue center in the middle of it. So how do you address both sides of the aisle and not make it about a party, but actually address what people are bringing concerned, whether they, they say Republican or Democrat? How do you address both? You know, I think there's a part of us that's not been spoken to or hasn't been appealed to by either political party for a long time. A good example is that um, as I've been doing this campaign, people keep giving me the advice of always putting everything back to tax dollars. We should be helping people with mental illness because it saves us money. We should be helping change criminal justice because it saves us money. Always trying to appeal to self-interest. And I find myself really troubled by that. And I finally put, you know, my, put words to it. It's that we're not talking about doing things that are right because they're right. It's always about saving money. And, right, the bottom line. Right, yeah. and liberals and conservatives and everybody in between, they, we have conscience, we have, we have morals and values, and we all want to do the right thing because we know better. You know, yeah. we, we know right. that we shouldn't be hurting people on purpose or we shouldn't be neglecting people that we could help. Yeah. Well, and, you know, for you, you've mentioned it right now, and, and this is a big value for you, mental health. Mm-hmm. You, you've worked on it for seven years and will continue to do so. Um, what kind of changes do you think are important for us to bring in there that aren't just about the bottom line, but about making a better system that treats patients and, you know, is more comprehensive, really? Right. I think if there's one theme to everything I'm trying to do, it's inclusivity. Sure. Uh, and I've seen that all through my childhood as well as in all my work areas that we have an ex- exclusion model for most of the problems we're trying to solve. Someone commits a crime, exile them away for as long as they can. Right. And, and try to act like they're not part of the community. If someone's right. got a mental illness, get them away from us. Mm-hmm. Poverty, get them away. All it makes us of, uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. If I'm uncomfortable, you need to go. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's like my mom used to say when I would 
I need to put a sweater on because she was cold. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine, but no, I'm I'm cold looking at you. Yeah, so yeah. so it makes me uncomfortable to have someone with with you know an active mental illness walking down my street. So we should put that person in, a, in an institution. Sure. And so for mental health, for instance, what I did at at Frontier Behavior Health before I went to law school was case management, where we let people, we helped people live in the community, mm-hmm. uh, get their own place, uh, hopefully with themselves or maybe independent, independent or with family. Um, and give, fill that gap, what they needed to do that. So if they needed help getting to appointments or getting their medication or taking their medication or getting a job training, doing all those things actively lets them be included in the community and, and lives were transformed. It's also, by the way, cheaper than locking someone away in an institution. Right, exactly. Mm, yeah. exactly. But that's not why we should do it. Is right, my, is my right, point. right. Treatment instead of just putting them away and really, right. and, and talk about tax dollars right there that's that's right. where it comes down to that works on both levels well and you, you know, bring locking something them up is expensive yeah and you bring something up in your in one of your last comments which is we have this we're supposed to put people in prison or whatever and help rehab them so that when they come out they are better individuals to be part of society we don't do that we lock them away so they're out of our minds and then we release them and we have done nothing and you've talked about that in some speeches what do we do though in a system that all over the country that has gone away from making it about rehabilitation. What do we do? How do you begin to turn that ship around? It's going to be a really tough fight to change the ethos around this in the whole country. I think everyone should watch the uh, documentary 13th on Netflix. Oh, I've heard about that. It's astounding of how we transformed ourselves from being going from the um, redemption model to the exile model. Sure. And how, uh, and the racial component of that as well. But we need to start as a society talking about this and not just in tax dollars, but remind people that these are people, these are friends or neighbors or children that are, that are being locked away for this amount of time. Right. Right. And that, I think, then with the societal permission to start doing this, we can actually start looking at every time we have someone in the criminal justice system, yes, there needs to be accountability. But our first goal is for rehabilitation and redemption. Yeah. So right. if someone's a very dangerous person, of course, they need to be kept away from other people but if someone um and that, that's what i did one of my first jobs out of out of college was going into jail cells and meeting with juvenile offenders and doing the diagnostic stuff to figure out why is this kid continuing to commit crimes and it was a, is it a developmental disability is it an addiction is it a mental illness is it a, a problem at home and usually the answer was yes to most of those things and by addressing those those problems the kid would stop would transform. I mean, right. It was amazing because it would go from flunking out of schools, getting good grades, and they and they they suddenly, not only would they get their life back, but we would stop having to have we turn someone from a liability to an asset in our community, and it was again, all I had to do was pay a recent college grad twenty something thousand dollars a year, and I right. could I could help dozens of people at a time. Sure, and it's so much uh, better for everybody. But yet, politically it's harder to sell that to the masses. Right, of course. And, you know, incarceration is a lot of times cyclical, like you just talked about. You know, if you don't fix the cause, it just keeps going, keeps going. How do you attempt to, well, I guess, sell to the public that idea? What kind of specific um, reforms would you propose once you're in, you know, county government? So I would be changing the budget away from some of the money we're spending on incarceration and put that to the preventive stuff. So, for instance, on... uh, Criminal justice. Right yeah. now, seventy-five percent of our jail population is there pre-trial. Wow. That means they're legally they're still not they're not they're guilt not guilty. They're they haven't been found guilty sure, of anything. Sure. Um, and we know that we can. A lot of people could actually get out if they could just make bail. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so basically they're, they're not because of their guilt, but rather because of their poverty. Mm-hmm. If they were sure. exact same person, but made more money, they'd be out back at, at work again. So I want to change the bail system so that we don't have money bail. Mm-hmm. If someone, bail should be determined based only on, are you dangerous or not? Right. Will you run or not? That's right. it. And then and the judges know that too, but we've got a system where the bail lobbies come in and made it very much a money issue. Sure. Uh, we need to have, and, and if maybe we could replace that with more monitoring. You know, if someone could be out and go back to work and just check in with the probation officer once a week, and that's that does the trick rather than locking them up 24-7, right. let's do that. Uh, and then upon conviction, we need to have, sorry, going back again to more pretrial, we want a diversion center so that police, when they pick someone up who's been who's a public nuisance for whatever reason or has uh, been been called in for something, uh, they know that this person doesn't really belong in jail so much as they need treatment, whether it's a, a, an addiction problem or it's a mental health problem or whatever. A uh, diversion center would be that place where it would be a locked facility, but it would be treatment focused with professionals on that um, mm-hmm. those things rather than, than just uh, incarceration. Because sure. right now, the Spokane County Jail is the second largest mental health institution in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. The whole entire state. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we're basically using jails as mental hospitals. Sure. And we want to make those two things separate. And then we need to talk about sentencing reform too. That you know, there's this. This not just a county issue; it's a whole national issue. But I think we should all be leading the conversation. Mm-hmm. That uh, this whole man, mandatory minimum aspect, uh, criminalizing drugs instead of making them a right. mental health or a, right. a, a, a health dynamic, mm-hmm. um, is a huge mistake. Well, we're very much a reactive society, as I think has been talked about, you know, for decades, and nothing proactive. We will react when the bad happens, but we don't do things to prevent it. It's it's our healthcare system, but it's right. an overall philosophy. And I think, so when we heard you, you speak last, one of the things that I said and then I read in your bio, which is you are a determined optimist. First of all, you've been in the trenches, you've been there, now you're going to run for office. That's a difficult thing. And in, in our job, it's difficult. And we try to pump people up all the time. But the fact is, we have to read the news. How do you stay that positive. How do you continue the determination to believe in the good in people and not get dragged down by the system? Well, you know, the experience that I've had does have the, the, the tragic tales, but there's so many wonderful experiences that I keep with me. Uh, seeing a, a young boy who's 12 years old who's already been arrested twice and has hurt people and no one can figure it out, and then working with the team and making him into a fine young man who graduates high school and is a great kid, that'll change you. Just like a traumatic experience will change you, a great experience will as well. Sure. And then I, I'm a student of history as well, and I realize that as, as progressives, we always win. Mm-hmm. We forget that because after we <laughs> right. win, that's we, a good point. We too. move that's on true. to the next thing, and yeah. so we forget about the last battle. Huh. But we we win on civil rights. We win on marriage equality. We win on everything. It's just that we yeah. are never satisfied, and so wow. we keep ourselves oppressed. But right. I can't think of a single battle that we've really fought that we've lost. And that's, sometimes wow, it may take true. a while, but it is. In the we end. are in a society yeah. where we can only see to our nose and forget that the, in the long view, you're right. And what a positive thing to... Uh, that's, yeah. I so think really, I'm going to just resonate lose. on that yeah, all day Yeah, because we're right. Long. Yeah, because we're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take it to the heart. You know, we, we talk about yeah. uh, the freedom to marry and, and the people that have been on our show that were part of that. Take it to the heart. Take it to the story. Take it to the people, and you will win every time. And they said once they changed their tactics towards that, they knew they would hit the Supreme Court, and lo and behold... Now we have freedom to marry. Right, and as a, as a straight man, I under, totally understand um, the, the the frustration and all the problems that go on, especially for people in the LGBT community about how how slow it's going. But 
as a child of a gay man, I got to see in my own life what the 80s were like when um, right. it was a stigma right. and, I was, and I had to hide that because I was afraid of someone being hurting me. And then yeah. seeing at college, it was no longer a big deal anymore. And then sure. in my twenties, it was people. People were shocked that it was even an issue. And then, and then this, you know, as compared to most civil rights movements, it was incredibly fast. It and, was and, huge. And people's fast. hearts yeah. changed because you're right. Mm-hmm. When you're just, when you're correct, people yeah. can't argue against love. Right. Well, and uh, argue against love. That's such a good point because we t- we talked to Mark Solomon, who was a huge, huge driving force in uh, freedom to marry and the. Uh, you know, the fight for marriage equality. And he says, when you focus on the story, you know, the story that you, you talked about, about a young man coming out of, you know, mental health and being uh, in a bad place to a good place in life. It's that story that really drives people to believe and to cause change. And so um, for us, it was, you know, the love. This mm-hmm. is it. It's not yeah. about anything. We don't want special treatment. We don't care about it. We just yeah. want the love and be treated equally. Right. And it's that story that really resonated with everyone, right. I think. And the young people. And the young people. Exactly. <laughs> they're, just, they're just wonderful. Because well, they grew up with it. We, yeah. we grew up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, so, it's and a, the other thing, we so when we're reading that, we knew that that story, I'm glad you chose to tell it. Because it would connect to our listeners to know that this man, first of all, not only do you get your own side of what it's like to grow up with your father being gay, but you witness... What your father, back in the days when it was a little harder than we are now. But what do you tell a society that what we tend to do is get really overwhelmed because we see the big, so much has to change. And we've talked about a lot of big <laughs> reforms that need to happen. We're looking at it on a national level, of course, every day. And so what people, their reaction is one of two things. We have to do something, but I don't know what. Or, okay, you know what? This Titanic is way too big to turn around. <laughs> yeah. Let's just accept where we are. Right. But you're selling a new story that, that we can take here at home. But how do you sell it? How do you tell someone who's terrified because it seems insurmountable? How do you get that message through to do these things that you want to do if you're elected? How do you convince that when we're all a little jaded? We all are a little jaded. I think it's taking it to the smallest level possible, just in their own little neighborhood of what you can do, even looking at, you know, sidewalk cutouts for their, for their streets, right. which I think are the best metaphor for what I'm trying to do in this, in this campaign mm-hmm. is you can build a great sidewalk. We forget the cutout. You've just excluded everybody with mobility problems right. from that great sidewalk. Right. And how much effort does it actually take to put the cutout in? None. Just it it's there. just, it's just thinking about it. Right. So I remind people that's kind of a metaphor. All we need to do is do the same thing we're doing but just start being more aware of of these little things that we keep missing. Are we excluding people with disabilities? Sure, right. Mental illness. Are we, are, are we excluding people of different genders? Or, or uh, it's it's a mag- It's not that hard to do. It just takes some some awareness. And, and I it's think little changes. Little changes. Yeah. And yeah. then little changes can suddenly catch fire. I mean, sure. Uh, and if you start at home, that, that's when people are really frustrated with the political scene. It's almost always national. I remind them, hey, right here. Right. Changing two people on the county commission will change the entire county commission. Huge. Yeah. And so many things can change. Exactly. And that's where your vote really counts so much more because it's not in the middle of 300 million people. Right. It's in the middle right. of, you know, right. our, our, what, maybe 200,000 people, people that vote, right. that show up to vote. And, you know, I think it's it's amazing that we can make such big change on a local level that impacts us. You talk a lot about uh, smart justice, right. and that's something you're very passionate about. Talk to us a little bit about the elements that you would really want to see go through. We already you know, discussed rehab, rehabilitation instead of you know, incarceration. What other elements do you, would you like to see 
here in Spokane County? There's, so there's, the blueprint for reform is a lot, over 30 different points of things. Sure. I think the m- most important ones, I've already worked on one of them, which yes. is um, legal financial obligations called LFOs, which are the fines and, and other fees people get after they've been convicted of a crime. Right. Uh, and the interest on those is 12% a year, which is outrageous. Yeah. And I had a client who was you know, in her late 50s. She was disabled, unemployed, homeless, and she already paid back all the restitution for a bad check she wrote to Walmart back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was only 500 bucks, but she still owed like $4,000 in LFOs. Right. And she'd pay back all the restitution, but she couldn't. She was paying $25 a month, but that was less than the interest was. Right, so and she's s- stuck. Yeah. Right, and so instead, Washington, Spokane County decided to go lock her up every year, every February. They'd pick her up, send her to jail, and try to squeeze that money out yeah. of her that she just didn't have. Um, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, first of all, just in our own interest, we're spending 125 to 150 bucks a day in incarceration costs to try to squeeze $25 mm-hmm. out of a poor person. But she didn't do anything dangerous. She's not right. someone that we need to have in jail. And so that was one thing we already changed. Through a, through a lawsuit that um, I and Brian Beggs and Jeffrey Feiner brought, we, we got that uh, settled. Um, and then there's, I think there's, and there's a great people in the county. I don't want to blame this, put this on the county um, personnel. Our county clerk is doing mm-hmm. a great job. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just kind of stuck with the system that, that has been created, and we're all trying to work to change it. Sure. Um, and then we keep going on with the uh, trying to increase, decrease incarceration rates wherever we can. I would like to see shorter sentences in jail and longer times in community supervision. Because mm-hmm. uh, frankly, people don't really learn the habits that need to change until they're out in the community where they can practice the habits. Right. Mm-hmm. You right. can talk all you want in a right. group in a jail cell about how right. much you're going to change, but when you get out back to your community, it's harder to put in place. Mm-hmm. Having that extra, extra uh, help really does make a difference. Um, and then we need to just focus on treatment. That's the biggest thing. I want to put way more money into the mental health community and the drug treatment. Mm-hmm. aspect because that's the root cause we need to get to the source of criminality not just the symptoms right uh, and we know that the longer someone is locked up after an offense the more likely they are to reoffend, not mm-hmm. less so i mean if maybe if incarceration worked we could justify it as saying well it's, it's mean and it's cruel but hey right. that's what we have to do but we but have actually, decades of proof that it, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work <laughs> the not only does it, there. Not yeah. it not work it actually makes it worse so why right. would we spend all this money being harsh in a way that makes the problem worse. It makes no sense. Now talk about, you know, the bottom line that ever that we talked about earlier and then listeners are probably thinking, do you think the money is there to move around and it's good? Or do you think there's going to be some new things that we're going to have to do to bring money in? Well, the budget for criminal justice keeps going up every year. I look mm-hmm. back at 10 years ago, it was 60% of the total discretionary budget. And this last year it was 75. Oh, yeah. Wow. So yeah. I do think that there's a a lot of slack in the system. We could take the savings from the incarceration that we're hoping not to do right. and put that forward. Um, but I am willing to propose to the voters, and again, this is the voters get to decide, not just the commissioners, right. uh, an initiative or a, a measure to, to fund that diversion center. I think that might be the biggest upfront cost as a, as a capital expense of constructing it. Uh, I think operating it shouldn't be difficult because it will begin diverting mm-hmm. ma- uh, money from one pot into the other. But um, that's where the job of the commissioner is to be that um, leader sure. who says, I know it's going to cost us some money, but here's the here's the value we get for that. You got to sell that vision. Absolutely. We yeah. hear you. Absolutely. We yeah. hear you. And there's a lot of lot of money that needs to be rearranged. I mean, talk about emergency centers and 911 call centers and, you know, funding there is not 
right. not yeah. where it needs to be. Not optimal. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. We're not we're not even paying enough salaries exactly. to fully staff these. Uh, and one is and that's always the basic stuff we need. Yeah, yeah. 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 That you hope are there yeah. when you need them. <laughs> when and you have if an you emergency. don't need them, you don't think about it. Right. Yeah. And, and another big part of my campaign is economic justice. We're right. just paying right. far too little to people who work. And this, it's funny, just, just today, again, young people. I have an 18 yeah. year old son who voted this year for the first time. Awesome. Nice. Yes. yes. I, I, voted my, I got my own, I made my own voter. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it took 18 <laughs> years and a lot of money, but it weighed off in a vote at the end. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was talking about the n- minimum wage initiative, and I gave a whole like legal explanation of why it should happen about right. middle class sure. and economics sure. and how this goes back into. Co- and finally, after like five minutes of me expounding and feeling smart and everything, he said, You know, for me, it's pretty simple. We shouldn't make people poor on purpose. What a and I was good way like, to boil that down. Mic drop. I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, wow, never mind. I, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, you, you, you win. Good job, Alex. <laughs> right? And it you is. shouldn't that's what, make people poor on yeah, purpose. And that's what we're doing. When you're telling people who work full time and they have the true. full value of Very their true. labor that we have decided, and we are deciding when mm-hmm. we set this, the minimum wage, that they are going to be in poverty and well exactly. below poverty. And we say you're yeah. welcome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Take that. That's, yeah, this is what you exactly. get. Yeah. Exactly. So the the county, Spokane County, we've we're going to be growing a lot. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. in the next 20 years. I think the projected number is like 100,000 right. in that ballpark. Um something that we've been trying to work out especially STA is the transportation mm. um expansion. Currently we do have Prop 1 on our ballot, you know, kind of a take 2 after the last one doesn't pass. What do you hope to see? Um, with that, and where do you hope to see our transportation um, in the future? Yeah, that's probably the single issue that I disagree with my opponent on the most. That's sure. we, normally, it's not a stark contrast, but this one, it really is. Uh, mm-hmm. She's on the SDA board, but has been opposed, and she keeps saying that she uh, values transit, but everything she's done has been opposing right. transit. Right. And just the other day at the debate, she talked about we should move to an Uber system. <laughs> and like Uber is great. I mean, Uber is great sure, for right. short trips if you can afford it. Right. But, it's but not sustainable for the yeah, overall. Yeah. You need to get across town. It's going to mm-hmm. cost you 15, 20 bucks. Exactly. You can't do that, do that to get to work. Yeah. Right, right. Um, we need every great city you go to, whether it's Seattle, San yep. Fran, or across mm-hmm. uh, overseas, has a great transit system. Mm-hmm. You can't grow without it because Absolutely. once you reach a bottleneck with your transit, you, yeah. uh, with your, your traffic, you just can't yeah. keep going. And it's also, again, in, about inclusivity. If we want people who are financially distressed to, mm-hmm. get, to get a job, people who are disabled to get around and get to work, or if they're coming out of, out of jail and they need, they need help, mm-hmm. we can't tell them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and then keep from them the means to do that. Right. Uh, and then but aside from them, there's people that could have a car but would rather not drive, sure. which right. is a lot of people which, too. Yeah. Um, and so what I love the idea of... of Building that line for students, I think that's exactly what a great from the U District to Browns Edition, and, right. and so, mm-hmm. as well as um, expanding the services. Because I lived in Seattle after college for four years, sure. and I didn't have to own a car, and it was the only way I could right. really right. afford to live there. Uh, and I know a lot of millennials and younger, my kids' age, they don't want to drive at all. My 16-year-old doesn't want to get his license. He's like, bus, yeah. is, bus is fine. Yeah. Um, and I know in cities, some people who still, they're adult, they're my age, right. and they're like, no, I've just never needed my license, so I never yeah. got it. Yeah. And right. I, exactly. And I remind people also who are opposed to it, I said, you know, it, it, again, look at your self-interest. Even if you plan on never taking the bus, wouldn't it be great if you look around you and 15 of the cars around you are gone? In Seattle, you know they hope for that oh, every yeah. day. Yeah. Every exactly. day, every minute. Yeah, yeah. and it's, that's the thing that is crazy. I think, and this is just my uninformed or partially informed opinion but i think that we have this identity crisis in spokane we don't want to be a big city because we want to take pride in being a small city 
But the fact is, we're like you said, the numbers alone tell you that's nice and that's really cute. But we have to be, we can't keep a mentality when reality is showing us different. And I think, so that's a big challenge we have as Spokaneites that we all can start looking at, that we get it and there's ways to keep your small town feel. But the fact is we need big town solutions like transit, like we're talking about transit. Let's say you get what you want and you're elected. You all know what they say about you get what you want, (laughs) what you ask for. What do you think your biggest challenge is going to be? You know, I think it's going to, I guess if I look at the high level, big picture stuff, it's going to be changing that, that culture of, of what we've talked about so far. Right. Of we should be looking right. at every problem differently from the other side of the coin. Uh, stop looking at taxes first. Uh, obviously, taxes will be a part of it, but mm-hmm. look at the people first. Look at mm-hmm. the effect on the community. Is this inclusive? Is this the kind of community we want to build um, value-wise? For instance, economic growth. The, to talk about bringing in a lot of jobs, but sometimes they're call center jobs making minimum wage. Right. Like, that's not how I want to grow. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you exactly. know, and then that job leaves in two years anyway. I want to start creating good jobs with uh, with people that want to stay here for a long time, and, mm-hmm. and then that consumer spending makes other jobs happen, and it's a virtuous cycle rather than a vicious cycle of racing to the bottom. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to compete. I don't want to compete with Idaho to see who can pay people less. I want to, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, yeah, and so when we're talking about... Um, Every issue, I can see that there's there's a, another perspective that had not been considered in the decision-making process. Mm-hmm. When you have three people on there with the same background, the same basic worldview, um, even with the best of intentions, you just can't consider views that you don't know about. Absolutely. I mean, as a white male, Absolutely. I can't decide things with, for the whole community if I don't know what it's like for... Uh, people of color or yeah, women. Exactly. Or and if we're only wanting to stay within our comfort zone, you never learn anything there. It's all right. you will ever know is other people that are just like me. And where have you grown? There is no growth. Right. Yeah. And we have to get outside of that. And I think that's mm-hmm. why it's so important for us to have more diversity on, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. the county commission, really. Right. They taught there was an initiative to expand the county commissioner seat. Right. What were your thoughts on that? I'm mixed about it, and I'm okay. glad that the voters get to decide rather than me because there's good sure. arguments on both sides. Right. Uh, one of the arguments, some more arguments against it is the cost. We're talking mm-hmm. about um, needing money for all these other changes and, and right. mental health right. and criminal justice and making employee salaries go up. Paying for two new commissioners is going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So that's part of it. And then the other aspect is how we go about doing it, districting it, because there's if we do dis- by districts, there's that worry about balkanizing the county a little bit mm-hmm. and having the, this, you know, the valley be opposed to the city and that sort of thing. Right. Um, but I do think that there's good reasons for it, which is, again, five gives us a much better chance of having a more diverse council. Right. Sure. Um, our commission. Uh, and it should also help with the ability for commissioners to speak to each other outside of meetings. Right now, the Public Meetings Act says that if there's a quorum of commissioners present, they have to have a public meeting. Right. Well, two is a quorum <laughs> and there's three people. <laughs> right. Um, so you're stuck with that. So I would suggest that um, I could see d- doing five if mm-hmm. people are willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But, but that's the thing. You're, that's it's right the there. And yeah. I think what we need to do is have that conversation. It's like in your life, you make pros and cons. And I think mm-hmm. it's very easy. We talked about earlier about it's all in how you sell it. It's the PR game, unfortunately, is what politics has become. But we need to look at reality. Mm-hmm. And reality is it does cost a lot of money. It's a great idea. Now, what do you sacrifice right. in order to afford it? So that, so that one, if it goes to the ballot, I would 
be totally neutral and just tell voters here's the pros and cons and let you guys tell us yeah what you exactly like, right what you like right, right. it's like, kind of an picture. individual yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah here's the picture and we need more of that because mm-hmm. right. we don't have both mm-hmm. sides at all. so question for you i know we i know we don't have a whole lot more time left but i just kind of want to ask, ask a few this i know i know we, we love day. these <laughs> i love it We're We're nerds, we'll so. see how far <laughs> we can push it <laughs> okay um the county right now and the city don't tend to agree on a lot of things true and that's 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 probably because one is super on the liberal side and one is not so much. How do you plan to fix or maybe work together um, or adjust those relationships? I have a great relationship with most of the city council members. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm also endorsed by Ed Pace from the Valley City Council. Oh, so on wow. both sides of the spectrum, great. people recognize me yeah, as someone. That's a whole yeah. other world. I know. There. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm really honored by that because I think what has gotten to me that means that point is the fact that in my career as a lawyer, I'm constantly in a place where everyone is disagreeing. And yes. I've learned, yes. mental health is the same way, frankly. I've learned to focus again on just the substance rather than the person making the argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my cases settle for that reason because I can look at a, find a way for a win-win and that you don't have to make it personal. Yeah. Uh, and it's, mm-hmm. most of the time that's very, very doable. Dealing with the city, I think that we've, um, because of that battle mentality, they haven't done the same approach that you, I bring to the law, which is what do you need? What do I need? Is there a way we can both get that? Um, and so... I think the biggest conflict they're having, and which I think could easily be solved, is the land use and development planning. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh-huh. Right. And right now what the county's doing, which I would try to change, is it's doing de facto planning for the city mm-hmm. by developing mm-hmm. just outside city limits, which is, but which is still in the curb, urban core. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to expand the growth, the growth boundary area, urban growth area, mm-hmm. to... Um, and really, the city should be in charge of those things, even sure. though it's not officially in the city limits. It's going to be the city utilities and the city taxpayers. And, um, right. It's right. our, the it's resources. our yeah, the re- yeah. resources. And so we could at least collaborate, bring them in more and say, what does is, what is your plan look like? The county, the, the city would gladly let us, the county, deal with rural areas. and uh, Right, right. And exactly. Yeah, they don't want to mess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But in terms yeah. of urban right. sprawl, that's kind of something we want to keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, looking at what's going on in the South Hill or, or Indian oh, Trail, my gosh, where yes, they're, they're just outside some limits, yeah. they're, they're building giant apartment complexes. And yes, huge. And not, I'm not anti-development at all, but the city keeps saying, we just weren't ready for that yet. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, the infrastructure's not there yet. The yeah. schools can't handle this influx of, of mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't that you know cooperation sure. well and then there's a there's a balance to strike between planned growth and natural growth organic growth because organic growth can like that crazily develop yeah. and go in one direction where the city isn't ready but then you know planned growth doesn't necessarily adjust to where people want to be um, where where's that balance do you think you know there's an, an inherent tension you can never get uh, deny the fact that on one hand you've got developers who yep. want the cheapest land possible and, and it's easier to build out where there's where there's nothing there right now right. and it does make the prices lower mm-hmm. but on the other side you've got the cost of what that does to having to push resources out there and infrastructure Absolutely. and that's the taxpayers having to do that um and that's what the whole Gro- growth management act is supposed to be taking into account mm-hmm. um so on the one side you've got people like the Republican side who are saying, oh, we've got to focus on low land values. Like, well, that's not a, that's not a balance. That's not a plan. Right. I think we should be um, trying to do infill as much as possible. Kendall Yards is the greatest example oh, of yes. development, which yes. is fabulous. Took a, yeah. took a, took a, uh, right in the center, right in the right center, in the core. Yeah. a wasted space. It was just dirty. Absolutely. They cleaned it up. They've, yeah. they've renewed it. And now we're getting a, a whole thriving economic yeah. source. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, and so I think that, uh, 
that's going to be a, a huge change in the commission, frankly, is that right now mm-hmm. the commission keeps doing things. We got, they got sued four times in the past 12 years. Oh, and, my gosh. And, yeah. and, the, and every single time they kept losing at every level uh-huh. because they were ignoring the Growth Management Act. Uh-huh. Right. Finally settled it, which is a good thing. But my approach would be to hopefully not get sued in the first place. <laughs> Avoid <laughs> I think that. that's yeah. a very good goal <laughs> yeah. that, that right. we should have. I like it. I think you, you also brought up uh, another good point, which is you talk about what we complain about, uh, an art form we have forgotten at the highest levels, which is to speak to each other, to have the conversation, which is what we push on this show, so that we can come together on it, but we stick to party lines. And what you're talking about is, listen, we need to talk to each other, decide what each side needs, and we have gone away from that. You know, we talk a lot in this show about uh, different societies out there who are have different ways of doing things. And you're talking about it. It's really, it shouldn't be crazy new, but this conversation together, that's what you're stepping into, really, with this seat that you want at the county commission and so it's great right here. Mm-hmm. Like we can have this awesome talk and it sounds great. Do you think it's going to be, do, how hard do you think it'll be to implement once you get there that it's not going to be about, no, I just want to be right. It doesn't matter if yeah. it's what's right. I just want to be right. It's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, in my experience today, even at the legal level, mm-hmm. it's hard to be, to do that, especially if you don't have someone on the other side. But right. I think there are people on the other side willing to, to reach out as well. Ed Pace is a good example. You know, we have... Uh, very different views on almost everything. Not not every not everything, but we do agree on the basic principle that we have to live together, mm-hmm. and we'll both be better off mm-hmm. if we can figure out a way to do that. Right. Uh, and I think there's a lot of pe- people of goodwill out there, and we just have to be um, courageous enough to make that take that risk. And it's, again, you don't have to you don't have to reduce your convictions to do that. It's actually easier to do if you do have strong convictions, and they're all out on the table, and there's no more. No more hiding or, or um, saying what you don't mean. Right. You know, I say, no, I'm very much in favor of I'm, I'm a pro-choice and I'm a progressive and I'm mm-hmm. in favor of marriage equality and I'm mm-hmm. not going to back down from that. And the other person gets me. Like, okay. Right. And then we can go from there. How can we How can we do this? And so when I was, my wife ran four years ago against Matt Shea, who's probably the most mm-hmm. different person. Yes. And as a result, <laughs> she, and I, she and I went door to door knocking on tens of thousands of doors in the Valley trying to get yeah. votes. And we realized that there are a lot, the reason why he gets elected is because there's a lot of people to think the same way. You're right. It yeah. wasn't an accident. Yeah. Um, and, and Ed Pace is a supporter of, of, of Matt Shea. And I, mm. But we talked about why. And we got to the things that they support about Matt Shea that I wasn't even thinking about. I only yeah. saw one side, the, the anti, um, everything. Anti, sorry, <laughs> anti-marriage equality yes. and anti-everything else that was, yeah. I found so offensive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, well, what is it that you like about him? And I realized, okay, so there are some things that I can understand why you'd feel that way. Right. And if I'm running the county government, I or part of it, I don't want to exclude them from it either. Any more right. than I want my my friends to be excluded. So right. the the valley should be different from Brown's edition, mm-hmm. and um, it is in that right. conversation. Right, and so uh, I think that's what um, Councilman Pace and I were talking about. Is that I can give him the ability to get what he needs for people. Uh, he represents and who feel that certain way as long sure. as it doesn't infringe upon other people's ability to get what they need and R- then we right. can actually move right. forward that's right. that's the point of government exactly yeah I, I have the that. final question unless go you ahead. do oh no go ahead okay. I'll, I'll probably add on because we, we really should just be on forever but <laughs> I know I um, love this if you and this is the the just re- interviewer horrible question but I'm gonna do it so if listeners they you have done something in a conversation 
we have started to care about local government like we should, and we've tried to push that to people. You are starting an actual conversation mm-hmm. about why people should care about Spokane County Commissioner seat. What? Right. Where a lot of people are like, I don't know what that is. And, you know, yep, and they just right, fill yeah, in a bubble. Right. Um, <laughs> if you had to say one thing to listeners who don't know what's going on, what would you say is important about why you would be elected and why it's important for this seat? I would say that it's important because our vote is our values and our budget is our values. And we have an opportunity to have a really direct impact on thousands and thousands of our friends and neighbors and fellow Spokane citizens, more direct than anything you can do with your vote at all. Uh, it's, it's, it goes directly to commission and then commission spends those dollars to hurt people or to help people or to stay neutral or to be on the side of justice. Sure. Um, and I would like them to not only vote, but also talk about these things. Uh, we, we get siloed in our issues that we care about. And not saying the issues aren't important, but we need to start being broader. Mm-hmm. And also talk about them in a nonpartisan way, just about a value way. Like I said, whenever you talk about inclusion in any aspect of life, even if it's not about your own issues, do that. And reach out to people that maybe aren't of the same political mindset at your job or at school. And again, it, it works easier to do that if you're not doing it in a partisan way. If you're, right, if you're, right. not, you're not couching it and this is why Trump is terrible. <laughs> right. But but, oh. but rather here's why here's why this matters because it's important sure. and take right. Trump and Clinton out of the whole conversation. Uh, right. Then right. we start getting a real change. Yeah. And I just think I'm a determined optimist because I've seen how much we've changed and I know that if people feel like there's a point to mm-hmm. being involved in their county and local government, they will do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And my Absolutely. job is to is to remind them of that. Yeah. I love that. Get out there and vote, people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, send it in your ballots. Social yeah. media, Twitter, Facebook, everything. Yeah, grinder. I don't. Does that work? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll try it. Jack, does, does, does Jack have ability to do this? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. We'll talk to Jack. We'll talk to talk we'll Jack. <laughs> spread the word that uh, this stuff matters. <laughs> oh, I gosh. love that it came down <laughs> I to love apps. That. <laughs> Listen, it always does, doesn't it? <laughs> it, should. it should. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This uh, was a fun talk. Yes, we are political nerds. We love our. Yeah, we do political, political parties every month. So. So where you love come that on about with you other people, so you, you should have to join a political party because <laughs> yeah. we have too I much fun. I will be there. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. We just talked to a uh, political candidate for Spokane County Commissioner, Andrew Biviano, uh, talking about things that need to change. Um, so it's fun. We love political conversations. Yes, we do. We really do. Um, I love his passion, you know, and yeah. the optimism there. And that it's so true because he says liberals always win in the end and that's that's true that's that's how it yeah, goes i don't think I it's mean, any secret listening to our show that we're a little we're a little tiny bit liberal yeah uh, but here's the thing we always invite the other side like mm-hmm. and that's on opinions that's on everything that we do whether it's political party or if it's just wanting to know what you think we've invited many times most people don't like to come on but you yeah. know we've had on many many of people who disagree with us and we disagree with but that's that's the conversation that us. he was talking about that we mm-hmm. have talked about a bazillion times that we no longer have the art form of which is this this ability to converse with each other and talk about maybe two different ideas and finding a way to find the humanity and the common ground within it that is the only way you change the world right is to find right. the way we connect as my angelo mm-hmm. would say we need to realize that we are more alike than we are unlike 
and that's, and that's very beautiful. true. And we, mm-hmm. and in the end, really, we all want the same thing. We all want economic stability. We all we want do. happiness. We all want we all safety want, in our yeah. neighborhoods. We all want the same thing. We just go about it completely different ways, and we forget yeah. about the and end goal. And we do get stuck in the "I would rather be right than than really rather be right than correct." Yes. You know, I would rather be right than solve the problem. It's more important. Well, that and I would rather be right than happy a lot yeah. of the times too. It's and Come so on. I think we st- we put stumbling blocks in our mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. that uh, that don't need to be there because it should be a conversation about people right. and not a conversation about that just need to get all get my way like a two year old toddler. I that know that's all that matters to me. So listen, we all do it. I think we all have moments in our lives where we do it and we throw a fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is totally digressing, but we talk about, we love Drag Race. And oh so gosh. let's talk about when Alaska <laughs> threw a fit because she oh was in the boy. bottom two. And that shocking moment that we're like, that's the toddler moment. Yeah. We all oh, have it. Too. We all have it. What and we're heck? just all lucky. No one put a camera in our face when we had that meltdown. Yes. Uh, the 10th yes. time in our life, it happens. But we need to find a way to dust ourselves off and remember our humanity. Right. And, and, get and then back keep in going. It. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I think everyone does have that weakness. Um, and remember, we are all human, even even people running for our leader positions, even people mm-hmm. running for county commissioner. Everybody has their own weakness. Everybody has their own opinion. Find out where they're coming from, because yeah. you don't know. I mean, person grew, growing up in, you know, Hayden, Idaho, their whole life is their probably going to have some pre determined ideals yeah, about this world. Yeah, little preconceived notions going on. But it is, everything is filtered through our experience, yeah, which is. is why it's up to us as individuals to step outside our experience mm-hmm. and try to know someone that yeah. isn't like us yeah. so that we might get a better view of the world. We have done it on this show for three years mm-hmm. running, having conversations with people to try to learn because of, that is not our Right. experience. Right. I was telling someone at the class that my favorite thing about having this show is that you get to learn. Everybody has a story and you get to learn their you stories. Do. It can be, and it's, I mean, even people I wouldn't think I would necessarily be on the same page with. A lot can change when you find their mm-hmm. story. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's amazing. You know, our favorite new part of our show is when new artists, musical artists, are are kind enough to share their new singles with us on Outspoken. And we are very excited to welcome to the, the program, we've been playing his music all through the show, Brandon Stansel to talk to us about his new single, Slow Down. Brandon, are you there? Hi, yes. Hey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. We're we've, so excited. I know. We've been really enjoying the video for the new song and then listening to your music. Sergey, I want to give you, <laughs> you have to hear the best compliment that well, I've heard earlier, I, Sergey. I'm not a big country music fan at all, actually. And uh, we were playing your song. We were playing Spare Change, and I was getting down to it. I was oh, like, he was maybe getting I, down. Maybe I like country. <laughs> so well, good. You know what? You've if converted I me. pull you over into listening to some country music, I feel like, that is just one of the one positive of this whole thing. So yes. that makes me really happy. <laughs> Yay! Good. Now, Brandon, why don't you take a moment to tell us a little about Slow Down? Um, and I think you even worked with one of our friends, Ty Herndon, on this project. Tell us about this single and then introduce it for our listeners. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I wrote the song with a friend of mine out here in uh, uh, out here in uh, L.A. A friend of mine, Mylon, um, who's a great producer and, and writer. Um, we wrote the song just kind of as a, um, you know, we, we both wanted to write something that was um, a little bit more lighthearted and fun. Um, and, you know, this was, I had just recently had this 
experience with, uh, you know, like the stating experience that I kind of wanted to write about um, that ended up not going so well, but I felt like I had I had, a, had some good material and wanted to get it out. So um, we just sat down and we, we wrote this uh, song that I'm extremely proud of. Um, and then uh, I showed it to let a friend of mine, uh, my friend Trent, uh, listen to it. And he was like, mm-hmm. we're going to do a video where we absolutely have to do a video for this. <laughs> Um, so once uh, once I got it recorded and produced, um, you know, we almost immediately went uh, out to Joshua Tree, and he wrote uh, this treatment for it that I loved, and um, it just felt uh, it felt fun and and genuine to me, and and something I was really excited to do. Um, and then we were really excited to premiere it on the boot earlier um, nice. right. this month, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, and so we just kind of rolling along from there. Well, we're excited to hear much more from you, sir. Why don't you take this moment and just introduce the single, and we will uh, we will let the listeners hear it. Sure. This is uh, Slow Down off of my new three-song EP, Slow Down, featuring my good friend, uh, Ty Herndon. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And that was Brandon Stanzo with Ty Herndon with Slow Down. And we love Ty Herndon. He's been on our show a couple of times before, and that is a great new song, also a great new segment where we get to listen and speak with brand new artists who are releasing singles, and they're kind enough to share uh, within the first little bit of them releasing them. That's right. How to do it. So go check out it. new music by Brandon Stansel with the song Slow Down and check out we've been playing him all through the show. So that's amazing. Hey, Sergey, maybe we should give them one last little scare. I think we should. I think we are going to show you I uh, play you the interview with Chris Russell who was the makeup and set design uh director in Scarywood. So that's so exciting. Some so some more behind the scenes. Woo-hoo! You should go out this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Spoken Boys 2. Scarywood Haunted Nights. Scarywood Haunted Nights. Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays in October. Go. Be scared. We dare you. The boys are back from Outspoken. We are still at Scarywood. Jonathan has not run screaming yet. Yes. But we want to talk to another very important person here at Scarywood that helps make the part come to life for all of you listeners out there. His name is Chris Russell. You are head of the, the makeup special effects area. Can you tell us a little bit about what it takes to get all of those people scaring us together? Specifically, it takes about four hours. Uh, it takes uh, a, a, eight months of prep, you know, and then a couple of months of putting this stuff together to set it up, you know, and get the sets ready and put it in the park. And when it comes to showtime, we're putting all of the haunters in makeup and costume in about four hours. Uh, we start and get everybody ready and get them out. Wow. Now, Chris, do you design all of the costumes and face makeup and special effects and everything? A lot of it. Uh, uh, some, of, Most of it is made here. We do a lot of it in-house. There are some things that we buy from other people in the industry if we see something cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I design the attractions here, part of the uh, team that does that, uh, the sets and the makeup, special effects makeup. I'll In the middle of June, we were doing... Uh, life cast for the makeup and doing sculptures for them, making molds and actually pressing the appliances all summer, 
you know, to have these ready for the show. I mean, and you're talking about, and I think what a lot of our listeners probably don't realize is you just said eight months of planning to do Scary Wood, to deliver it. In that planning process, you're basically telling a story by, with the makeup out there and with the people that are scaring people. What Do you have like a massive team? How does this come out of your head? Well, it doesn't all come out of my head. I just make the monsters and the makeup and, and like the sets and stuff like that. It's, 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 there is a massive team. There's a, a lot of people that work here. And it actually takes people from every department. We, we do this all year long. We, we might look at something during the show right now and say, okay, we need to do this to kind of change it up and fix it for next year. And um, as far as like set designs, if we build something new, that's something that we build during the off season where we're not doing scary wood. So it, it's, it's, it's not like all out of my head. Like I'll have an idea and I'll bring it to the other team members that work here on, on scary wood and the attractions. And, you know, it'll bounce around the room before it just like morphs into something, you know, bigger and something that's much more entertaining because it took uh, a lot of creative minds and talent to bring that together versus just a small, like the, the, it literally people from carpentry, people from the IT, you know, every department here, um, is working on scary wood at some point when we're not doing the show it's it's a it's a big show it takes a lot of prep sure now chris how long have you been doing special effects and how long of that has been with scary wood i've been here since 2010 i came in 2010 when we built the blood bayou started professionally in 2000 so that's 16 years professionally building attractions and doing makeup and stuff but it all started when i was about 12 years old really so i mean i was that kid that that put makeup on and painted people up and did stuff like that so it's just something i've always done it's been my thing man <laughs> so do you have a nightmare at night and then you run to work excited because you want to make your nightmare come to life that's expensive nightmares man this <clears throat> i i don't <laughs> the nightmare question i don't really create don't things well, i do but no, they're okay. not like the things that i create <laughs> it's, it's something totally different <laughs> it's like normal everyday life for right. the rest of us. He's yeah. like, no. It's like, like no. showing up to work with no clothes on. That's the nightmare. You can't right. really recreate that, it I don't think. That dream, right? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, what was the training that got you here? And what would you say to someone who's listening in there? Like, I love special effects makeup. I think this is so amazing. And they want to go do something like you're doing today. Uh, what kind of training do you need to do it? Patience and practice and if you want to do something, you will. And this is something that if you want to do, you can do it. There's, We have the info webs out there now. And we can pull up things on our magic internets. Well, we can see, well, this is, you know, this is a book. This is instructional. This is how-to video. And you can find out how to get some clay and make a sculpture and make a mold of it and put some rubber in it, pull it out and paint it and uh, or put, you know, fake hair on somebody. There's, there's so much reference out there. That's the first place I would go is, is find reference and stick with it. It, you know practice do it just actually do it if you want to do this it's something you can do in the corner of your garage mm -hmm. and and do it you know sure sure now we saw just the tail end of makeup and it looked amazing it looked like a really intricate process no we, <laughs> we, did, we did we did so it. far so good how is the cleanup though that's what i really want to know because that sounds like a mess how long are you going to be here <laughs> <laughs> probably not that long. until the ambulance what, what comes and gets right me before cleanup it, it really depends on the the character it depends on the extent of makeup that we put on them we've got characters that wear masks and they simply have some makeup around their eyes and then we have others that uh, like our, our zombies on main street they've got a 
termites is moved to the face, and those take almost as long to remove as they would to apply. You know, um, it just depends on the character. Okay, now last before we least, before we let you go, what is your favorite creation, whether it's this season or past, that you are really proud of, that you had some part? Pick your favorite child. I, that is my favorite thing I ever made is my daughter. She was here the other day, and she saw the poster with me, and I was like a clown and blowing up the balloon. And she said, that's my daddy clown with the balloons. That is the sweetest story ever <laughs> in the world. Know, you took this to a like, really emotional I do with hers. Like, I bring her and see all this stuff and do this stuff with her. And that's, I see magic light up in her eyes. And, like, she looked at the Clownzilla. We've got some killer clown stuff in Clowntown. And I brought her through the other day, and she looked at Clownzilla and looked at me and said, that clown is a dinosaur? And I was like, very good. Yes. (laughs) So, I mean, like, she's my favorite monster of all time. And I don't know. It's like the things that I I build by the time it's entertainment, by the time people are seeing it and doing it. And, like, it's a stay on top of it thing. Make sure, you know, it kind of, it works. Um, But then my brain moves on to, like, let's make something new. And, like, I'm constantly challenging myself to not have a favorite thing, to not get stuck on something that I made, but be open to learning something different and challenge myself, push further and do something new that I never would have reached for before. Sure. Well, Chris, thank you for taking time yes. talking with us. We look forward and to seeing your career. Come to Scarywood where you get scared, entertained, yeah. and inspired all at the same time. So. <laughs> and that was our interview with Chris Russell, makeup and special effects director. Right behind Scarywood. So remember to join us next week. We have on director Nathan Adulf, who is the director of the indie film Miles, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So have a great outspoken week. We'll see you next time. Yeah.